Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi. So funny little story about today's podcast. As I'm sitting down to record this intro, it is Wednesday, October 19th. And today I was slated to be a guest on someone else's podcast. We had moved the time ever so slightly because I was also sharing at the Milford Rotary. Well, I am also sharing at the Milford Rotary this afternoon, thanks to a wonderful invite by a huge She Built This supporter, Tina Brown of Bar Harbor Bank and Trust. And so for once, I was dressed and ready by 9.30 a.m., podcast mic on, and ha. But for some reason, I wasn't hot. The microphone was hot. But for some reason, um, I had this hunch that he was going to forget that we'd moved the time. I was getting like all of these automated email confirmations from his Zoom count, account telling me different things. So when I signed on to Zoom at 930... I wasn't really surprised that he did not greet me on the other side. Now, I understand when it comes to automation and these calendars and this whole technological world, these things happen. Um, And in the nature of time and giving me time to work on the thoughts I was sharing at the Rotary, he we both mutually decided to reschedule. So my mic was already on. I knew I had to pull this intro together so I could schedule this sucker into ye old podcast queue. And I knew that if I didn't spend my time doing this, I would probably just change my outfit 10 more times and then go to TJ Maxx to try to find a black shirt that didn't look like I was wearing shoulder pads because the one I'm currently wearing looks like I'm wearing shoulder pads, which I think is the new style, but I already have broad shoulders, so it just looks weird. And to save the money and save the heartache of changing my clothes again, I said, no, I'm just going to record this podcast intro. And here we are. Um, If this is your first time listening, you're welcome for the story. Um, If you haven't been here in a while, welcome back. And I'm so happy you're here. I'm really, really grateful for each and every one of you who listen, those who support the show, those who leave me comments, uh, those who take time to write Apple reviews, comment and share on social media, and those of you who send your thoughts to me in secret little text messages or emails. I'm briefly going to tell you about She Built This, just in case this is your first time here and also who I am, but I'm going to save some real, true, a proper catch up with you thoughts for the middle of this month. I think it helps to share the review of the week in this instance. This one is from Kim. Kim says, she built it, you can too. Love how Emily and her guests share such incredible business tips and journeys to help us all grow with a little fun mixed into boot. And thank you so much, Kim. I really, really appreciate you listening and your review. That's really what she built this is all about. Kim kind of said it for me. We share stories, business tips, and really grow a sense of togetherness right here on a podcast. This podcast is 
really truly a community in and of itself. Um, it's a little piece of my heart. And we get even into these topics and these conversations and the aspect of community more in the She Built This group, which is a free online community space for women entrepreneurs and professionals to be themselves, learn and grow from one another, from other uh, positive minded women. We are together building it. Um, I'm also a content writer and I take the process of writing blogs, emails, social media content, website copy, lead magnets, really anything else your heart can dream up off the plate of busy women entrepreneurs who want to spend more time working with their clients and less time thinking of what the heck they are supposed to say in their content. Um, In my content writing business, I'm spending the end of this year, 2022, tying everything up in the pretty bow that Lindsay Taylor of Tailored Image gave me in providing me with a new, beautiful brand for my content writing business. And what I mean by tying it all up is now I have the brand, thanks to her, I have a website. I'm getting the last pieces finalized to the look and feel of my marketing momentum lab so I can send that forth into the world again. And I'm starting to implement my brand in this more streamlined uh, experience for my customers behind the scene. And a piece of that is me automating and freeing up more of my time to work with clients and less time sending invoices and documents manually because that was the situation for far too long. Um, My goal is also for clients to really feel as they go through the process with me and working with me, I really want them to feel a greater sense of ease. I want them to feel they're well cared for and that like I've thought of it every step of the way. Like whatever worry that they have, I've already thought of it and I got it and I'm with them every step of the way. So it's been really fun to map out this uh, consistent journey and see what I can put in place because a lot of the work I do, a lot of the work probably all of us do, you know, it tends to be the same every single time or very similar. Um, And in the work that I'm doing as I'm putting the automation in place, if something ends up feeling off or going wrong, I actually have like a tangible way to reflect and see where it's not working rather than just guessing at where the change needs to be made or just quote unquote, you know, feeling like something is broken when it's not. And all of this brings me, and I will talk more about that. I will talk more about systems in general. Um, I'd love to give you like a little bit of like a behind the scenes on that and give you some ideas on your own, thinking through your own systems and processes. So I'm, we're going to touch back later this month. Don't you worry. But I, I, that all brings me to today's guest, um, Tina Brinkley-Potts. Tina and I dance in all sorts of topics in today's episode from the client journey to being your own friend forensic investigator. Like, what does that mean? Sounds exciting. It's exciting. I promise. Um, And we also talk about adding streams of revenue for more success. Wait till you hear the number of streams of revenue that Tina recommends. I love that she brings home how all of this can be so much easier. And she breaks it down into like really tangible steps on how we can get started. Because I think all of us probably want to make more space for more ease, more flow, and more activities that actually generate us income and don't just have us like doing all the admin pieces in our business. 
So just to give you a little background on Tina, um, I met her actually through an introduction by Jessica Terzakis, and I've been following Tina a long time, but I've never, it's taken me this long, I mean, probably four years, I think, to sit down and actually like have a conversation with her. So I was super excited to do so. Um, Tina Brinkley Potts is an award-winning metaphysicist metaphysician, best-selling author, business strategist, and online marketing trainer with over 1 million video views and 10 million hits on her web properties. She trains and mentors coaches, consultants, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners in 70 countries worldwide. And she is the number one black woman in sales and marketing automation. What Tina loves most is teaching her clients and students how to manifest money, time, and joy in their businesses and in their lives. Tina is a proud mother of three children and six grandchildren. She's a self-proclaimed technology geek. She loves to travel, dance, and hang out in nature. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Tina as much as I did. Hi, Tina, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Uh, I'm so happy to have you. I got connected to you through our mutual friend, Jessica Terzakis, who I'm sure we could just both rave about for the entire podcast. (laughs) But this podcast is about you. So I want to start by hearing how you got started as an entrepreneur. Like I love hearing people's backstories and any details you feel like you want to sprinkle in on us. We, We love that. So tell us about the journey that brought you to where you are today. Sure. So Emily, I didn't start out wanting to be an entrepreneur. I didn't even think I wanted that. Uh, But I needed flexibility. I needed to work when I could work. And, you know, I just had a lot of life that happened. My mom got sick. That's how I became an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And um, my father passed away when I was 22. So when my mom got sick and started having strokes, I wasn't going to miss, like, it it just didn't feel right to go, okay, I'm going to bring somebody to take care of you so I can go ahead and go to work. Um, I stayed and I took care of her. And so when I started taking care of her, I had to start looking at alternate ways (laughs) of earning a living um, because the savings dwindled really quickly. Um, Plus I had three kids um, and was going through a divorce. So I learned how to um, just pivot my own skills into other things. And, um, and then I, it's funny because I didn't know it at the time, but I I'm completely living on purpose right now. Like what I do, how I help people, it is like, I was meant to do this. I know with no uncertain terms, I know I was meant to do everything that I'm doing right now. So I imagine that like what you started, well, I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth, is what you started with as an entrepreneur, like um, what you're doing now. And if not, like tell, connect those breadcrumbs for me. Well, yes and no. So when I became an entrepreneur, I was always a consultant, but it was like a side hustle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I worked for a company, I helped them go public 
And those owners kind of gave me clients. They would even give me other employer. Like if I wanted another job, they would find it for me and go, hey, you want her? And people would just hire me. Um, as a matter of fact, they did that with two companies. But again, I was going through things with my uh, mom. And so I was no longer a good employee. I was always late. <laughs> you know, all of those kind of things because I was taking care of the people in my life. And um, so I was always a consultant behind the scenes. But when I first started entrepreneurship, I had a home health business. I had a hair salon. I had a cleaning company. Like, so I did a lot of different things. Um, they didn't match who I am as a person. So like, for instance, doing home care, I love taking care of people. So like the way that I approached home care was kind of like different in the industry. So we grew really fast because of just how I like to take care of people. Um, but yeah, so now like all of that has gone to the wayside and I just do um, consulting as a strategist. That's it. I don't do anything else. That's it. Beautiful. I, I love hearing about the evolution because for two for two reasons. First of all, like it is so normal and natural for us to evolve and pivot as we evolve and change in ourselves, right? And second of all, it's so amazing to give ourselves the permission to like let things go when they're no longer serving us or working for us. Like so many people cling on to something for so, so long and not and, and like resist letting it go. Um, I want to know if you see something like if there's like this common thread among the people that you work with, the, all the businesses that you've consulted with over the years, like a common thread on what people are like really struggling with when it comes to, I'm going to call it entrepreneurship, but I guess just like business ownership. And sometimes it's like mindset, personal stuff. Like what do you see as a, as a something that pops up all the time? Well, the first thing so there's three number one would be most people are hiding who they are and they really should amplify it because if you amplify it it really attracts the right client to you um you know when you think about it the way school was set up especially like once you went through school you were learning to be more like everyone else. And so you didn't really want to stand out. And we looked at the way that somebody else taught us to do something and you memorized it. And as long as you could memorize something, you would get an A on the paper. And a lot of times people are suppressing themselves. And that is what's called causes a lot of chaos in your business because you're thinking, okay, well, you know, person A said I should do it that way. Mm -hmm. And because you're trying to live up to what person A said, it just, it, it kind of, it, it just kind of messes up. You really need to cultivate who you are, not just as a person, but who you are inside of your business. And a lot of times we're looking at somebody else's version and not really cultivating our own. I so agree with you. And I, I also see this a lot and it turns into like a, uh, this matter of like an inner committee, right? Where you're like, or, or not even an inner committee, but an outer committee where you're consulting everybody outside of you for like their, their judgment on what you're doing and looking to that to say whether or not you should be doing it. Um, 
my question for you is like, what can we really do to like cultivate and figure out who we are and like get really strong in that identity in ourselves? Because like there is a lot of noise and how can you tell what's your noise and what is like outside noise? I've been saying for 10 years, you have to become a forensic investigator of your own belief system. Um, You know, we, we don't look at the, where your patterns are originating And once you start learning that, you can start deciding whether or not you're going to release it or not. It's a it's a huge it's an inner commitment. And it's one of those soft skills like I teach people technology. Right. And so that's something that people can gravitate to very easily. But when I'm telling them, well, wait a minute, it doesn't sound like you're really aligned to this thing that you're doing. They want to go, well, wait a minute. I know that this is what I want to do. And I know I want to grow a million dollar company. And I know I want to do all of these things. But it's like when we start breaking it down and listening to why they're doing different things, most of the time it has not come from them. It came from someone else. I love that. Okay. What are, you said you had three. So let's hear the other two. Sure. So the second one is, um, I work with a lot of people who were hardworking individuals and probably were, you know, really excelled when they were on a job somewhere. So they might've been a CEO for somebody else. Um, Like they just excelled at what they did. And the problem with that is sometimes you don't believe it can be easier because you've worked so hard. So like embracing technology and really understanding that technology can do a lot of pieces for you, hardworking people don't, it's very hard for them to embrace that concept uh, just because they've been working so hard. So that's another like big one for me. Okay. I'm so fascinated by that one. Do you think it's that? Do you think it, okay, like let's get under the belief. Is it the belief that everything needs to be hard, needs to be a struggle, or is it just like this fear of letting go and letting technology take over something that you're doing? It is is definitely a little bit of both because I can tell you that even still now, and I mean, I know technology like the back of my hand. If there's something going wrong in my business, I'm the bottleneck period, every time. Yeah. And it's normally something I haven't let go, something that I'm still going, oh, well, they're not going to be able to do it like me. You know what I mean? It's I'm always the bottleneck every time. And the sooner that we're willing to admit that, that it's always you, even when you hire other people under beneath you, like I can always say, hey, this assistant didn't do this correctly. But then I'm always turning it back on me, not in a blame way, but in a way where I'm like, okay, well, how did I not prepare her for that moment? Mm. Because it's my business at the end of the day. It's mine. So when I take ownership of all of it, I can do a better job. Yeah. And looking at like, where was I not clear here or where? Yeah, I love that. I really love that. And it goes back to being this forensic investigator, right? Like just always being kind of like honest and open and truthful with yourself. So, all right. Now you have me like dying to know number three. (laughs) Oh, so number three is good. Number three is just truthfully about 
sitting and thinking about the client journey, right? What is going on? Do you even know your whole entire client journey? Most people are focusing on the front facing things and do not focus enough on what happens behind the scenes. And so since that happens, we're spending so much time on outward appearances that what truly builds the relationships and what truly moves the needle in businesses don't really get done. Like, can you give us some examples of that? I mean, so I I agree with you, um, but I want to know kind of examples of what you're talking about, like the behind the scenes stuff. Sure. So um, especially when I'm starting to work with coaches, if they're new coaches, um, one of the first things I'm asking is what are your offers? Right. And when, when they start telling me their offers, most of the time they're not clear at all on what they're offering, who they're offering it to, why they're buying it from them, why they should buy it from them. Like most of the time they don't have that clarity. And because of that, it, it really dictates everything. And so A lot of times you look at people who are looking at social media thinking, oh, if I just post enough, if I just, if I'm just there enough, then I'm going to get clients. And that's not necessarily true. We, we've, we really have been taught to, to really care about the outward appearances and it really is a deeper conversation. Yeah. What do you think is the, I guess I'm going to call it like the antidote to all of this, like over posting and over depending on social media? To know your numbers in your business, be real about it. So the only number that most business owners know is the amount of revenue that's coming in. When you think about it at the end of the day, that's the one that they focus on. I need to get a client. I need to get a client. I need to get a client. Well, there's a whole lot of other you know, KPIs, key performance indicators that can let you know that the money is about to hit. But because you haven't focused on those, what normally happens is you quit before, uh, what was, you quit before the magic happens. I can't remember what movie that was, but you, you, and you can change that just by knowing your numbers. So when I'm asking someone, when I first start working with them, the first thing I'm asking them is, how many leads did you get in today? Mm-hmm. How many leads did you get in in the last 30 days? I've never asked anybody, how many followers do you have on social media? How many times are people engagement? What's your engagement rate? You'll never hear that from me. Why? Because that isn't going to move the needle unless you're an influencer and one of those platforms are paying you for your influence. What's another KPI? Just like, uh, you know, I really want to, I see this people give up before, before the magic happens, like you said. So what's another KPI that can indicate to you that like good things are coming and you just need to calm down and hang in there? Yep. So my version is how many leads did you get in today? How many of those leads have you interacted with? Um, When you're looking at those leads, like, are you, have you communicated with them 10 times, 12 times? Like I want to know where they are on the buying process. So 
Um, you'll hear a lot of people talk about you got to build that no like and trust factor. Well, we have KPIs that we can actually tell you when you've started, when you've actually deepened the trust with someone. Wow. Like the way that we build when we're building systems for people, we actually build it. Okay, this sequence helps them build the no. This sequence helps them build the like. This builds the trust. Okay, they're ready to click a buy button. I love that. Like so much more in depth than just like, how do my proposals look when I send them out? And then how is my invoice coming? <laughs> like all of that stuff, which is I think what we think of when we think of the client journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you know, Emily, one of the funniest things is um, I've been known to say, I don't care what it looks like, right? And I do care what it looks like. But what I mean by that statement is that I don't care how many times you change your brand. It isn't your brand that is the problem. Okay, so I started this thing. um, I did this video series a long time ago called What Men Know. And in that video series, it was when I converted from working with almost exclusively men as my clients uh, and then really started working with a lot of women, specifically women in the service related industries, you know, coaches and consultants. And one of the things that I noticed was that they would change their brand (laughs) 10 times because they thought that it was the look of the brand that was preventing them from getting clients. And every single time that was not the problem. Oh my God. I love that. I see that so much. I am guilty of that, um, in my own, in my own writing business. So, um, all right. I, I have to ask you because I, I have been listening to some podcasts that you've been on and I heard this notion of yours that you think we should have 18 different streams of income. Um, so first, my first question is like, can you give us, well, first of all, is that true <laughs> that that's your belief? It is true. Um, so I want to clarify it a little bit. What I want to say is that when you learn to monetize you, okay, you have intellectual, you have an intellectual property. You have experiences, skills, knowledge that no one else on the planet has. You're set. The way it all comes together, it's yours and yours alone. There are 18 different ways that you can monetize that. Mm, When you understand that and you understand that this intellectual property is yours and yours alone, you can monetize everything else around you much more quickly quickly by understanding it because it's a way that you can scale. Do you want to talk about some of them and just like help open up our eyes to some of these like out of the box ideas in, if you want to use your own business or your own self as an example? Sure. So like at the end of the day, I coach, um, I have an agency that helps with automation right? Like, and all of that is still my intellectual property. Um, I can, you know, like I just gave you one of my sayings that I use every time I go speak where I talk about being a forensic investigator of your belief system. I can put that on a t-shirt. I can sell it on journals. Like when you think about if I were to put them all in classes, like I can go speak, I can sell a subscription, I can go 
um, build a course. I can, there's so many different ways. Um, I can coach people in it. I can consult. There's so many different ways. There are 18 of them. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes like a little bit of trial and error, right? Like if I'm not mistaken, like figuring out what you like and what you don't like. Um, have you found that to be true for you? And and I'd love to hear if you have like any flop stories. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I have flop stories every day. <laughs> um, I fail. I, I fail every day because I push myself. So um, that part, one the thing I would like to say as far as implementing 18 streams, most people have less than three. Mm. Okay. And I'm not saying do it in a way where it, it should all kind of blend together. Like, so Emily, one of the ways that I sell is I always have a good, better, best system. Okay. And, um, this way helps you, especially when people like to um, pick your brain. You've heard that saying, right? I, I need. To oh pick, yeah. Oh I, yeah. I like to pick your brain, and and you end up spending the most time with the people who are paying you the least. Well, when you implement a good, better, best system, you can always send those people who want to pick your brain to the thing that you've already created that you can sell over and over again. So I'll give you a good example of one of my good, better, best. I have a book, right? One of my books is called Ka-Ching, How to um, Add a Digit to Your Income. That book is about creating a system around you, okay? Creating a system around the way you're doing things, not being haphazard about it, but there's actually a system to really growing. So if somebody was to come to me and was like, oh, can I pick your brain? I would be like, yes, you can. Here, go buy this $20 book. It's there. It's ready. It's going to tell you everything that I would tell you if we were sitting at a table, right? So then if I were to go to that, that's a good. So what a better would be is my group coaching program for, for people who um, are trying to do automation. I have a $297 a month uh inner circle that literally you get to come and ask questions every Wednesday at four o'clock and I will do demonstrations for everybody that's in that program so that they don't feel stuck when it comes to technology. Um, It allows me to scale my income, but it also allows me to serve every last one of those people who couldn't afford for me to build their system for them but they can come and ask questions and get time with me. Plus any of the videos I've already done, they can see it. Right. Yep, yep. So there's, so those are two different ways that I'm using my intellectual property to earn an income and doing it in a way that serves me and serves those people. Now the best way is okay. There's somebody who's like, you know what, Tina, I'm, I, I don't got time to do this. I want you to do it, period. (laughs) Like, just fix it. So, of course, if I'm going to spend that one-to-one time working exclusively exclusively on their business, then I'm going to charge a little bit more. And now they get me one-to-one. But guess what? Each one of those versions are the version that works for that particular client. They can scale up. They can scale down. They can do it whichever way. But those are three different ways that I'm earning revenue on the same intellectual property. 
I love that. Um, and have you ever had one that you just like completely, it didn't work? <laughs> um, if I were to say the ones that didn't work are the ones that I didn't have time to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really didn't enjoy them. Like I don't enjoy, um, I don't enjoy where I work with the same people every single day and have to talk to the same people every single day. Um, that's just my own version. I love, I I just love different experiences. So if I had to walk into, let's say like being a teacher and I'm walking into that same class for the whole year, that would drive me crazy. Yep, I get that. I don't even like to do retainer work because I'm like, let's see how, it, you know, I just like projects. They keep me like motivated and excited every single time I dive into one. So I it's yeah. like you're building something new, right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. when that, like, I want a completion date. Yes, we got it. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God, you're speaking my language. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there is nothing better than a date that says we're done. <laughs> But I will, you know, I'm happy to pick it up again, um, but I love to have that end date. So that's yeah, and, and and even though I say that I do have clients who like I, I have clients I've been with for five, six, seven years. Right. But I don't speak to them every day. Like yep. when it's time to do that project, we do it. We knock it out of the park and then we move on to the next thing. But that same monotonous every day, I, I couldn't do that. Mm-mm. Um, okay. This is going to be kind of like a little tangent, but it's, it's because this keeps coming up for me. So you seem to have like a super great, uh, mindset. I'm going to call it for lack of a better word, belief system around making money. Like it seems like this is something else I see women struggle with is like, they feel bad taking money or they're not charging enough for their products and services, whatever the thing is. Have you always had a good, like, way about you with money or is that something you've worked on and learned no <laughs> no um it is definitely something i've learned and i also teach it i have a um i have an opt-in somewhere i'll have to send it to you it's called change your money story it's actually a seminar that i do and what most people don't know is they have a money ceiling um for whatever reason, it could be something you've picked up as a kid. It could be something that you've learned. Um, and I can tell you that um, when I when I broke six figures, okay, I broke six figures in a job. Um, and so when I went into business, I didn't realize that I still had that ceiling where anywhere between like $150,000 and $200,000 a year, um, I was about to... Uh, break everything so that I couldn't make any more money. Um, And I didn't realize that that was happening behind the scenes. Um, So I I learned that that was there and I learned how to fix it. And I think I want to say most people have that. Yeah, it's kind of like that upper limit thing I think that they talk about in the big leap, if, if I'm not mistaken, similar idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if you think about it, and let's take um, entrepreneurship off the table. Most people who have a job, right? Or like, let's say, let's say your parents made 
um, $50,000 a year. You went to college. You're going to make maybe slightly above them. And maybe it goes like to $65,000 a year. But that is about the expanse that your cup that will allow unless you start doing some other work to understand why you have that. You can't let it in. Once again, it goes back to being a forensic investigator. <laughs> um, all right. Can you, I, I love like a little bit of like practical, you could literally start doing this after you listen to this podcast. So let's do two sort of tips. One around maybe improving your money mindset. Like what's just one thing you can do to make more money starting right now, like inside yourself? Um, look at, actually look at, if you were to go the last three years, um, see how much you made for the last three years. Um, cause it's going to tell you what your number is, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So once you know what that is, now start looking at the possibilities of doubling it and actually ask yourself the question. Now, this isn't an assignment that you're going to get graded on. So like, I want you to allow yourself to brainstorm and just write everything down that comes to you. Because one of the things that we've stopped doing is we we've, we self-edit too much and we don't allow the ideas to come and to plant seeds and start germinating because we're too busy, ready to edit. We've forgotten the, um, the ideal of just doing really good brainstorming, right? So that would be the first thing I would do. I would literally for the next 30 days have a little notebook that I asked myself the question, um, how can I double my income this year? And then just write whatever happens. Do that for 10 or 15 minutes every day for the next 30 days and you will change your life. Okay, you got me. I'm doing, I'm going to do my homework assignment, Tina. <laughs> um, and I guess and my don't other- don't edit, Emily. No, I won't. I'm pretty good at not, in, you know, in my journal. Um, when it comes to showing up, that's another thing. Okay, so my la- my, my other like takeaway is uh, since we've kind of danced around, um, talking back to systems, what is something like you could- literally sit down today and start implementing that's going to make your life as a business owner easier and I think open the doorway to make more money because you're not spending so much of your time doing the thing you're spending more time working with clients um adding sales and marketing automation to your business um First, let me just disclose, I am a Keep Certified partner. I am a partner with some other programs too, like Constant Contact and all of that. Um, I've built systems on everything. But you want things to be able to go beyond you, okay? And one of the easiest ways to scale your income is by giving yourself more time. For every hour of automation, I'm getting at least a thousand hours back in my business per year. So if I sat down for an hour, I'm going. I know that that output 
is going to be at least a thousand hours in that year. That's for me. It might not start out that way for you. So for instance, when you think about sending an email, most people have email marketing systems and this is how they do it, Emily. They literally go, okay, I need to send my weekly newsletter. So they sit down, they know on Wednesday they're going to send it out. So maybe they sit down on Tuesday, they write it out and then they program it to go on Wednesday. Uh, that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about literally sitting down all in one swoop and saying for the next seven communications that I'm going to send to the to people, I'm going to sit down and write them all at the same time. And then I'm going to program them at the same time. Do you know just by changing that act, you will have saved time? Okay, this is task batching, and it is my love language. (laughs) Um, I have a question for you around it that I don't experience, but I know that this comes up as like a resistance or something that other people experience. They will say to me, I can't force myself to be creative to come up with that stuff. Like it has to just come to me in the moment. What's your reply to that? My reply is you're not giving yourself space to be creative. Like, Emily, I can tell you that my most creative time is on Saturday afternoons. I mean, sorry, Sunday afternoons. Why, you know, people tend to leave me alone on Sundays, so I get time to think, right? So I know that if I want to plan a creative time, I do it Sundays, and I can probably write like 20 different emails in an hour. Yeah, some of the most... Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I've sat down recently and done like five or six emails at a time and it is glorious. Like I'm on a roll. I'm just like, Oh my God, I could do five more. So I'm with you on that. I just wanted to hear your response for those who I know, know, who I know are thinking like, I can't force creativity. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? And for the person that's saying that I would also challenge to ask how much time do you actually um, be still. Like, I, I almost feel like they're constantly running. And so they don't have time for creativity. But do they give themselves enough time of being still? Hmm. You brought me right into my rapid roundup question, my first rapid roundup question, which is, do you have a meditation practice? And what does that look like? I do. Um, I meditate every morning, um, even before I get out of bed. So I found that the time, you know, when you, you're, you're not quite awake yet, but you, you're, you're staring. I found that if I use that time to just really go into meditation, that my day is a lot better. Um, but then I also take several breaks every day where I am literally counting my breath to 40. Mm. And I, I, I might do that maybe eight or 10 times a day. I think you you hit the nail on the head because so often we think that we need to meditate for like an entire hour, right? And then, then we just put off carving out the time and put off carving out the time. And it can be done in these little tiny pockets of mindful moments. So I love that you, that that, that is your style. Yeah. 
Um, I'm curious to know, and this might not be a rapid question, but what is like a bad day? Like you seem super positive and super upbeat and super energetic and like a go-getter. So what does a bad day look like for you? And then like, how do you react and recover from it and get back on track? Oh my God. I just had a bad day. Um, last week, um, I literally was in, I was in a, a store and I didn't feel like the person was helping me. Now, Emily, I was sleepy. I sh- like, I should not have interacted with anyone because I was already kind of like, just not myself. I was irritated because I was tired. I don't normally operate that way. If I'm sleepy, I am so fortunate that I run my own company so that I can go, you know what? I'm going back to sleep. So I set myself up for the win every single day, but this day I did not. I was tired. I was cranky. Um, I really was about to let in on this girl and I'm so glad I didn't because when she got up, I saw she was pregnant and then I felt bad for the whole entire day. Um, But it wasn't her fault. It was mine because I, I was tired and I should not um, have interacted with anyone. Now, the thing that I know, Emily, is that I've set myself up for the win, right? Like I know when I'm off and I stay home. Um, I, I I give myself the break of going, even if I'm committed to something, I will go, you know what? I can't do this. Either I got to work myself up to the point where I'm back at a hundred or I have to say, no, I can't do this just because I like to set myself up for the win. What a gift to you and also others around you. Like it's such a better way to be with people because you're not being a clunky human being when you're walking around in the world. So um, I love that answer. Okay. Uh, I happen to like following fun accounts on Instagram that are either make me laugh or inspire me. So I'm just curious to hear if you have a favorite account that you follow that like kind of brings you joy. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in metaphysics. So, um, one of the things that bring me joy is Abraham Hicks. I can just go on to YouTube and find an Abraham Hicks video and I'm good for the day. Um, So that's probably the thing that brings me the most joy. That's easy to find. Yeah. Okay. Love it. And I'll make sure like all the links you mentioned will definitely be in the show notes. That'll be in the show notes. Um, And speaking of links, why don't you share like what you want people to get in on and how they can find and connect with you online and get in on like a freebie or an offer that you have? Sure. So, um, my main website is tinabrinkleypots.com. And you know what, when you're listening to this, we're about to do an event called You Monetized. And what that event is about is just like what we talked about in this, uh, interview, 18 streams of income. If you're a coach consultant and you're trying to figure this out, Um, You can come spend three days with me and I'm going to help you implement. We're going to put in the work though. So this isn't just come and sit and learn because I don't believe in that. I believe um, libraries don't make money. 
<laughs> I believe that just being a repository of information is not enough. You have to implement. So you can go to youmonetize.com and get a last minute ticket for that. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. This was like really, I know we kind of like went all around, but I had a feeling that was going to happen. So um, thank you so, so much. And uh, good luck with your event. Oh, thank you, Emily. And thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thanks, Tina. All right. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.